Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's gonna be the Packers coming to town. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, wake up Niners fans. You're officially in the playoffs now and you got your first opponent revealed in Dallas yesterday. Larry is the Cowboys laid down to die. Oh my goodness. What a flop from McCarthy and Bunch. What a game. What a weekend for the Niners, uh, man. I mean, and probably the end of the road for Mike McCarthy as they lose again at home to uh, a Green Bay Packer team. And I hate to be uh, the I told you so guy, but personnel wins the day and the Packers have a ton of it. And Brian Gutekunst, their general manager, who was charged with getting rid of uh, you know Aaron Rodgers, has rebuilt Green Bay's um, arsenal, and they are coming. Started with the trade up of Jordan Love, and um, you know it didn't end there. I mean, Green Bay is is uniquely stacked. They really are. I mean, if you really look at it. And what makes them so challenging is that they don't, you don't know who to to try to prepare to beat. Last week, Jaden Reed had a hundred yard day. This week, he barely did anything, and Green Bay puts up 50 almost. Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Bo Melton, Dontavian Wicks, they're all playing really, really well. Tucker Craft is a number one tight end. Oh, but wait, so's Luke Musgrave. And Jordan Love's got 20, 21 touchdowns and one pick. In his last like nine games, Aaron Jones is a tremendous two-way back. They got a, a, a pretty good offensive line that they drafted, very good defensive line, and they've got a couple of real playmakers in the back end. So they're um, in there young. I mean, they're all young. Youngest. Not here. Yeah. This, yeah, this is a baby football team, and they are, you know, equal parts kind of where they should be and ahead of schedule all at the same time. I thought that the, the Packers had a really good shot to win that game. I didn't think it would come in blowout fashion. Now the Cowboys were able to do some, you know, uh, cosmetic surgery on the final score, but it was 27, nothing green Bay before the Cowboys even got to the stadium. And it really is one of the all time shocking no shows. I think in playoff history, given who they are, the pressure of it all, uh, an undefeated team at home. But before we get into that Cowboys collapse again, just looking at the Packers, you know, um, love wasn't sacked once in the entire game. Um, Aaron Jones, 21 carries 118 yards, three touchdowns. One of the, you know, one of the greatest postseason games in Packers history. It really was for him. He was a little bit of a do everything back. Like you said, Romeo Dobbs had a career high 151 yards and they were just, they were, on, they were on schedule all day in the first half. I mean, they were picking up chunk plays. You saw an awful lot of an offense that I think is reminiscent of what Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers do. You know, Matt LaFleur was a student under Kyle Shanahan, and he's taken an awful lot of those principles to, you know, to, to Green Bay with him. And this is a team, Larry, that started two and five this year. I mean, there was an awful lot of hand-wringing coming out of Wisconsin about the rough year it was about to be. Some smart Packers insiders, and I really do follow a couple of really smart Packers insiders who are not just like rah rah Packers fans but really you know try to look at everything from uh, a, a non-overreactionary standpoint and the theme of their early season again because I grew up a Bears fan so I'm always paying attention to the Packers probably more than I should smart people in the room Larry kept on saying yes it's a bad start nobody wants to come out of the gate at you know at 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 2 and 5 but it's a young football team Anyone who had, you know, any any sort of, you know, prognostication of the season kept on saying there'll be a second half team. Didn't think the first half was going to quite go that bad, but they're going to be a second half team. And indeed, that's exactly what they were. They've been in playoff mode for a little bit of a while, playing high stakes football and delivering on an awful lot of promises. Like you said, love is what? What's his touchdown to interception ratio in the last Seven, eight games, twenty-one to 20. one. Yeah, that that ain't bad. Not last nine games, twenty-one to one. Yeah, yeah. The guy's so amazing. I mean, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying the the patience that was you know part and parcel of this turning into a good year for the Packers turned out to be the key ingredient. Young teams need time to come together, 
And, you know, you could make the argument that the Packers are ahead of schedule. Some might even say they're on schedule now. They look great. They absolutely look great. Um, and it, it's it's not accidental. Um, it really isn't. Um, they're they're legitimate. I mean, they're they're absolutely there's no getting around it. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing faulty about it. It's you mentioned LaFleur's a good coach. His it's you know, partial scheme, but it's also talent. And they just have an awful lot of it. And it's all young and it's coming together. I mean, they got a 25-year-old quarterback. Um, you know, Aaron Jones is the old head. Romeo Dobbs, Luke Musgrave, Dontavian Wicks, Tucker Craft, Christian Watson, Bo Melton, Jaden Reed. I mean, part of the problem is when you're a defensive team, you don't know who to take away because they've got so many different guys that they lean on. They're also so young that they don't realize what they're doing. Um, and defensively, Quay Walker is a tremendous player. Kayshawn Nixon is a tremendous player. They both had 11 tackles yesterday. Their front line has some big-time guys. Um, and then Darnell Savage and Zaire, um, Zaire Alexander on the back end, they've got um, Jaire. He's, you know, he, he went down with a left ankle injury. We'll see how serious that is. But they're, they're legit. They're absolutely legit. And when you see the momentum that Gutekunst has established there with how he's drafted recently, it's like, okay, wait a second. You know, this team cannot be, you know, taken lightly in any way, shape, or form. So Niners get some huge advantages. They've been resting. Not only that, they get the, the short week because the Packers played yesterday and now have to travel and come back, and it's going to be a Saturday night game. 515 Saturday on Fox at Levi Stadium. That's the window. We still don't know the other uh games, obviously, with two more games to be played today. But uh yeah, the 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 49ers are in that prime time Saturday night window. Right. Which is an a huge advantage for the 49ers. Why? Because you know they're trying to get to the Super Bowl. They get the Packers. First of all, they get the added rest, then they get the Packers traveling you know, from Green Bay to Dallas, from Dallas back to Green Bay, then back to San Francisco uh, while the 49ers are sleeping in their beds the entire time. And if the Niners are lucky enough to win that game and and beat Green Bay, they'll also wind up getting, in my opinion, Detroit off of a short week as well because they will wind up playing um, on Sunday. So, you know, they're going to get two teams at home um, on a short week but they're going to be two damn good teams. And uh, the Niners are going to have to, you know, be really smart. I thought Joe Barry did, did a nice job um, at far as yesterday, kind of confusing Dak Prescott with a bunch of different looks, but basically playing zone. Uh, and it was a myriad of different zones. So they, they found a way to took, take away Lamb and play a lot of zone. That, that confused Prescott. And then offensively, I thought the maybe one of the best moves of the day by any coach uh, this weekend so far was, you know, the Cowboys were ten and zero this year, and this is a move that um, th- this is a move that I could see him doing against the Niners because the Niners were really good in this scenario as well. Niner- Cowboys were ten and zero when they scored first, two and five when they didn't. So what did Green Bay do? They won the coin toss. They took the ball. They went down the field. And they scored a touchdown, and they never gave Dallas the lead. And then by the time it, Dallas could look at what hit them, it's 27-7, and they're in the dressing room. So Green Bay is, you know, J- Jordan Love's got good speed. He's got good arm strength. He's he's processing. You can't fool him. He's got a bevy of weapons. He's got a two-way running back, pretty decent offensive line, and he's playing great ball, and they roll in here with tremendous momentum. So Brock Purdy's going to be ha- have to be on his game. If if uh, if the you know the weeks off made Brock rusty in any way, shape, or form, and he doesn't get with it till the second half, this game could be over by then. But the nice thing is, is that the Niners have a week. You know, they got to study the film on Green Bay really from halftime of yesterday. Everybody knew by halftime that game was over. So the Niners immediately turned to Green Bay. If they were smart, and they are, I'm sure they did a lion's share of work on Green Bay the week prior simply because they understood what green Bay represents. So here it is Niners and Packers and um, Niners are going to have to earn this one, man. Uh, And, 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 you know, I'm not afraid of green Bay, but um, they were the team that I wanted to see the least because they are playing great football 
and they've got real players. It's going to be interesting. I will say this, though. No one is as bad as their worst day, and no one is as good as their best day. I've watched enough Packers this year to know that what you saw in Dallas yesterday is not the Green Bay Packers you always get. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> you know, they're a 17-9 win over the Bears, kind of biting their teeth to do it. Uh, they allowed 30 to the Carolina Panthers, not even three weeks ago. So they still have a tendency to play down to their age, but when they're on one, they're definitely on one. And when a team lets go of the rope and just lets you pull on it as hard as possible, you saw what happened yesterday and really lost in all of that was a really decent second half of the Cowboys, but they just dug themselves such a big hole. They couldn't get out of it. Uh, we'll talk again about the Cowboys in just a minute. There's one other good thing that is absolutely, you're talking about the advantages that the 49ers have just in terms of kickoff and body clock, Larry. 89 snaps on that defense. Now the Packers got to play some backups there, and that's why Dallas, you know, had a pretty good fourth quarter because, you know, Green Bay's in, let's start thinking about San Francisco mode at the end of that Dallas game. But that is, the Packers aren't quite that good. There was an awful lot of laying down to die early in that game from Dallas that I think is part of the reason why the, the Packers are coming here looking like world beaters. If you're looking for the real Packer team, I don't think you saw it yesterday. And I don't think that's the two and five team that started the year either, but it's somewhere in between. And I do think the 49ers should be able to handle their business. As a matter of fact, I think the 49ers are going to beat the Green Bay Packers. I think they're going to beat them by 10 points. Um, they're good. They're not great. They're definitely ahead of schedule. And you talk about a team that the Packers don't want to run into. I think it's the 49ers because the Niners do know that coaching staff. They do know what LaFleur wants to accomplish. I think there's an awful lot of similarity in the way that the two teams play. So it's sort of like you're playing yourself. You're not going to let Aaron Jones have a, oh my God, he's Emmett Smith afternoon on you. I just don't see that in the 49ers, especially if Eric Armstead's back and it's fully operational Death Star defensively. I just think that the 49ers are set up to beat the Green Bay Packers, but the Packers are without a doubt. They're coming in, you know, on fire right now and feeling good and just young and dumb enough to not understand the situation entirely and not being afraid of it because they've never been in this type of situation. Um, the 49ers must survive this situation to get to the situation we all demand being the X marks the spot of the entire year, and that is reaching the Super Bowl. Uh, welcome, wake up, Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger. It's great to have you here. Larry, I already saw we have a new member. Glock Holiday has become a member and part of the initiated. Hello, Glock Holiday. It is wonderful to see you. Thank you so very much for the support. Uh, hit a like, hit a subscribe. Super chats are wide, wide open. Larry and I have been working hard for you this year, and we're going to continue to do it throughout the playoffs. We've got a lot of content certainly coming up in the next week or two. Well, it better be week or two, right? Better go beyond Saturday, Larry. Um, but look, Let's talk about what everyone in sports is really talking about this morning. And that's the Cowboys who just dropped one of the all-time no-shows and gag jobs really in NFL history. I mean, that was remarkable. The Cowboys, just to let you know how disappointing they are, are the first team to win at least 12 games in three consecutive playoff seasons without making a conference title game. So in other words, there's never been a three-game stretch in NFL history where a team has won more and has had less to show for it than the Dallas Cowboys. And those who want to play the, well, they suck. No, they don't suck. They're pretty good. They've got an awful lot of talent. But they've got a head coach who clearly did not have that team ready to play at kickoff. And I do think that that's a fireable offense. At some point in time, you reach the end of a road with a guy. And I think that they've reached the end of that road with Mike McCarthy, especially when, I mean, if if Jerry Jones isn't sending a private plane to Bill Belichick's house today, he's out of his mind. You're going to let the greatest coach in NFL history go take a Falcons job before you give him the godfather offer to come in and save the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, that would be insane. So um, what, a, what a stunning turn of events from the Dallas Cowboys. 
Who say whatever? Well, you I mean, really good at home all year. Jerry's old. He's eighty-one. He's twenty-eight years removed from his last Super Bowl appearance, and you know McCarthy's got one more year left on his contract, um, and he's got a great record. He's forty-two and twenty-five in four regular seasons. He's got three straight twelve-win seasons. Uh, he won the NFC East in twenty twenty-one. He won the NFC East again this year, but they just have one playoff victory. Um, and you know, I mean, they, that, that, you know, they're just, that's it. They don't win in the playoffs. They, and why do they not win in the playoffs? Cause they haven't been one of the better teams. Um, I, you know, you can rip Dallas all you want. And, um, I just think that it was all there for you to look at with their profile. They were a front runner. They beat six or seven bad teams by an average of 30 points a game. And they're bad all the run. All the other games that they played against good teams were close or they lost. So this was a really good team rolling in. And um, I expected them to go down. I can't sit here and tell you I expected them to go down and then say, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I can believe it. You know, Dallas is a front runner. Uh, they can't stop the run. And guess what? Green Bay rolled in and ran it. And Green Bay had great balance. But Green Bay ran for 143 yards, and Aaron Jones averaged five six a carry, so they couldn't stop the run again, and they're just built to win one way defensively. They can't stop the run, so what they have to do is their best defense is their offense. Their offense gets a lead, makes you one sided, and then they pin their ears back and they sack the quarterback. So that never happened yesterday. They never stopped the run. They didn't get a lead. So guess how many sacks they wound up with? Zero. None. Zero. I mean, think about these. Like, think about the pass rushers on this team. Dorrance Armstrong, Micah Parsons. I mean, uh, Osa from UCLA is a major rusher. Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, they get after you. They, I mean, they absolutely go after the quarterback. They had three hits on the quarterback all day and no sacks. They had one tackle for loss. Their defense makes no impact. Green Bay just hung half a hundred on them because in reality, they called off the dogs in the beginning of the fourth quarter uh, after they scored that last touchdown. Then they brought in uh, the backup quarterback to hand it off. So, you know, they just, they got torched. Um, I expected them to go down. They, that's what they do in the playoffs. Um, I, I think McCarthy is a decent coach, but nothing great. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting that, you know, there was a lot of talk that Belichick is waiting for some of these playoff teams to potentially have a crushing loss so he can jump in there. Immediately, I thought of Dallas and Philly. You know, I mean, Dallas and Philly are probably going to go down this weekend, and they both could use Belichick. And, uh, you know, Belichick's got the six rings with New England and two with the Giants. And so there you go. Um, you know, some of the players in Dallas this morning, Damon are standing up for Mike McCarthy. Um, but you know what? It's just the bottom line. I, I think Prescott's got to take a lot of blame as well. I mean, he had a bunch of turnovers. He had two Um, turnovers, but he still, I mean, he had three touchdowns in a 400 yard day passing and they obviously threw it into we're only passing mode because they had to play catch up. But you look at some, I mean, some of Dallas's numbers, like they had 37 first downs. They were 10 of 16 on third down. That's usually good enough to win right there. But they were chasing the scoreboard all day long. Again, it was 27 nothing before the Cowboys even decided to get to the stadium. So yeah. it's it, uh, when you put yourself in a hole like that in the postseason, you're in an awful lot of trouble. And it's also unfamiliar territory. Saw this note, too. Dallas hadn't trailed by more than eight points at home all year. And again, they're down 27 nothing before they get anything going. So... Um, just couldn't the, cover Dobbs on any of the long no, passes. No, which is love, weird. Love, they have a decent secondary. I mean, it's just a weird day. Yeah, I mean, uh, C.D. Lamb and Prescott had an odd vibe going on. It was like, you know, Green Bay obviously tried to take away C.D. and did a good job of it. Um, and then Dallas, you know, Dallas in a lot of ways. I mean, it's kind of a weird, a weird situation, but they are kind of a one running back, one wide receiver team. I mean, Michael Gallup is a good player. Um, you know, but if you look at, you look at Dallas, I mean, you know, I mean, they're like the Niners have multiple receivers, multiple running backs. Dallas is, if you take away Pollard, they don't have a second runner. And if you take away CD lamb, 
Gallup and Brandon Cooks. I don't know. They're just just all right. So um, the worst the worst thing that you can be as a head coach is unprepared. And it just looked like the Dallas Cowboys were unprepared, unprepared for either their opponent, the moment, the circumstances. Like there's a lot of different things that check that you were unprepared for that category when you're down 27 nothing at home instantly. But that's just, I do think, and I, I, look, I'm not a coach who's had an incredible amount of success but keeps on flaming out in the playoffs, therefore he's got to go. But I've never seen a team kind of no-show to a first quarter in the postseason at home quite like that. So I do think that that has reached a you gots to go. And also, just to push back, part of the you gots to go equation is, well, who would you replace him with? Now there's, you know, okay, so Bill Belichick is an option. That's a you gots to go situation. Is Bill Belichick going to make this offense better? I mean, he, the offense of Bill Belichick ran in New England was pathetic. I don't think I don't, I, how much of this is McCarthy and how much of this is the D coordinator who may wind up coming here. Next, F. Wilkes winds up leaving. Um, I, I think you know you you got Prescott through for four bills. Now a lot of it was in garbage time. Dallas ran for almost five yards a carry. Land they had two hundred yard receivers and a tight end. They caught ten balls and three touchdowns. Um, it's their defense. I mean, their defense is just terrible. They but that defense was ranked number one in the NFL when they played the 49ers earlier this season. They've got Micah Parsons. Like, I wasn't hearing about how Dallas's major incomplete was their defense all year long. I mean, it feels like we're pulling on this as a convenient excuse to explain away yesterday. I do think that they have a pretty good defense. I think they got a pretty good offense because I didn't grow up you know, being bounced as a Niner fan on my daddy's knee. I don't have this visceral hatred for anything Cowboys, and I just look at them, and I thought to myself, they could absolutely go to the Super Bowl. That's a really good football team with talent just about everywhere. But then it got to playoffs, and they just shit the bed as hard as humanly possible. To me, that is a your head coach needs to change. I mean, I – you can put it on their defensive coordinator. There I mean, was it absolutely no was on their defensive coordinator. I mean, but, you, but 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 again, I, I I had not heard a single complaint about Dallas's defense until yesterday afternoon. I just told you they played they played seven bad teams and they crushed those teams and they're a bully team that if you can't run the ball and they get a big lead, all of a sudden Dallas can turn twenty one ten into thirty five ten or forty two ten better than anybody in football. But the reality is they got gutted by the Niners. They got gutted by the Bills. They, in this game, they gave up 510 yards. I mean, 500 yards. That's a ton. And, um, you know, Dallas is a, another thing. You know, Prescott I always thought was hugely overrated. People talking about MVP. You know, he had a better year this year because he threw it down the field less. He, he, you know, went shorter more and he ran more and he even ran in this game and some of them were effective, but they were minus two on the turnover table, you know, and you know, how I'd love to see the stats of teams winning percentage when they throw a pick six. It can't be good. No. What do you um, got up there? What's What's the comment you got up there, Larry? We've got Loner Incognito who says, I'm sure you will talk about it, but it might look like the Packers and potentially the Lions for the playoffs. What do you all think of the Niners' chances? I like the Niners' chances from the standpoint of um, they have a, it's all set up for them. They, they're rested. Um, they get, they're going to get Green Bay on a short week. They're going to get Detroit. If, Detroit, if it's, it is Detroit, like I think it's going to be, they get Detroit on a short week. Um, to me, it's going to come down to, yes, the Niners are rested. Yes, they're loaded with talent. So if it takes them a half to get into the game, it could be over. So the rust factor in the first half, to me, is the big issue for the San Francisco 49ers. Green Bay is absolutely in a razor's edge right now. They're playing well. They've won four in a row. The offense is cooking. Tons of young weapons. 25-year-old quarterback who's got 21 touchdowns and one pick in his last nine games, rolling in with tremendous momentum. The first quarter is going to be absolutely essential that the Niners 
kind of remind them, oh, you know what? This is a different day. This right. is a different level. And you hey, know, who, who's who's had better first quarters all year than the Niners, right? They lead the NFL in scoring on opening drives, and that's exactly what they're going to need to do. You want to talk about a front runner, Larry? Let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers. They trailed three times this year going into halftime. They lost all three of those games. They are front runners. They are. Kyle Shanahan is. The team is. So they need to get a lead. They need to establish dominance in a game, and they need to take it. Yeah. Um, that's that's who they are. That's what they do, and they have been well-rested enough. They have been set up enough to be who they are and do what they do. So when it comes to opponents, yes, we know the first one. The second remains a mystery. If there is indeed to be a second, there better be a second. Larry, I don't care who shows up. Outside of the 1985 Chicago Bears getting in a time machine, the 49ers better damn well be in the Super Bowl this year. That's the stakes. Right. And there's no, and and there's nothing like, you know, hey, there's nothing ambiguous about any of this. The Niners have, they've got nine pro bowlers. They're at home. They're rested. They've got their quarterback. They've got the weapons. Um, You know, they've got a, a really good team in all three phases of the game. But all I'm saying is, and this is where the rest rust thing, they're going to be rested, but if they're rusty and it shows, they could go down. And because you just saw, I mean, this game with Dallas was over at halftime. If Green Bay puts another first half together in in Santa Clara next week, the way they did yesterday against Dallas, this is going to be the Niners' biggest challenge. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go as far as to say this. I really believe if they can win this game, they can win it all. But this game is going to be very, very challenging from the anthem. And the Niners better be ready. And, it, it, you know, it might be one of those things. Kyle, the, the Niners do one thing that goes against what we've seen, which is Kyle loves to win the coin toss and defer to the second half. But. They're a team that absolutely, so they're giving you the ball first. If they get their choice, they're giving you the ball first. Well, if you're Green Bay, you want the ball first because your offense is cooking and you play better from a lead and you know that the Cowboys didn't, you know, didn't play well from behind. And the same thing they could say about the Cowboys, the the exact same thing can be said about the Niners. So the Niners defense I'm not worried about the Niners' offense. <clears throat> offense. I think the Niners' offense is going to cook. I think they're going to score. I think as long as they take care of the ball, they're going to score uh, and do what they want to do. But um, I, I, I think the Niners' offense beats this this Green Bay defense. But the big question for me is, can the Niners' defense slow down this incredibly hot quarterback with all these good young weapons? Because that's what they are. Every single one of these weapons is 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 a solid weapon. There not may not be a Debo or an Ayuk in the bunch. Uh, there may not be a Christian McCaffrey or a Kittle, but they've got depth and a and youth on their side and speed. The most important 49ers coach this week leading into this game could be Chris Kasurik. That defensive line is going to have to win the game. I, I mean, I'll agree with you there. You, you Jordan Love probably feel the pressure probably didn't even have his jersey washed yesterday. I mean, he was untouched. There was a wide-open, clean pocket. I couldn't believe that the Cowboys were just so passive. And When you can't blitz him, they did blitz him one time, and he found the opening. So, I mean, I I saw early one of those touchdowns early on was Cowboys sent a blitz. They picked up the blitz, and Jordan found the right guy. He's really a developed quarterback. So, you know, you, you, and he's got mobility and he's making a lot of good decisions. Nobody's fearing Green Bay, but at the same time, uh, you got to have proper respect and you better not be rusty because the game could be over at half if you are. And look, you know, the 49ers are an example of what the lightning striking from a you got lucky at quarterback standpoint with Brock Purdy, where this guy who no one expected anything from gets thrown right into the mix due to injury and he takes off running and really hasn't hit the ground since. The Green Bay Packers, three different times in a row now, you know, because let's remember, Brett Favre sat behind Don Mikowski there for a minute. Then, of course, you know, we saw Aaron Rodgers sit behind Brett Favre 
and we saw Love then sit behind Rodgers. There is a case to be made that when you got a good quarterback, you just throw him into the fire and see whether or not it's a sink or swim situation. The Packers have gone in the total opposite of that. They've always been patient with their next about-to-be quarterback, and it looks like it has paid off for them for a third time in a row. Now, I'm not saying that Jordan Love is in the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre category. He's far, far away from that still. But they've got something when it comes to how they develop quarterbacks on that franchise that has worked for them. I mean, we're, we're in decade number three of that plan being a good plan for them, Larry. It really, it's 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 amazing. Well, it's a solid organization. Yeah, it's a really solid football organization. I mean, yeah. that's one. But they've got a great young personnel guy, and he traded up in the 2020 draft to get Jordan Love out of Utah State, and people ripped him for it when he struggled early. Um, and this, they found a way to just develop. You know, the nice thing about playing in Green Bay is you're furthest away from any kind of bright light situation. You can just. Focus on football. Right. But I mean, Aaron Rodgers tried to turn that bright light on his own team and he declared war against Brian Gutekinst and he took yeah. it very public and it did get a little ugly and messy. But there are, I don't know, enough like football smarts in Wisconsin to where people were like, all right, Aaron, we can sort of see that you're going a little, a little off the deep end in terms of being a good teammate. But then you come back with an MVP caliber season. And whenever you're drafting your quarterback of the future while your quarterback of the present is having an MVP caliber season, from a front office standpoint, that feels hard to justify. But then when that quarterback moves on and now you got the guy, you know, what's the old uh, Andrew Brandt saying that the single best time to draft your next quarterback is when you don't need one? Because then there's no pressure to take this raw ball of clay and just roll them out on the field to see what you got. And it's worked out for them. I mean, I, I have a reluctant respect combined with a rivalry's hatred for the Green Bay Packers that has been in me my whole life. And there is a team that could cause a problem for the 49ers coming to town. But I think that the 49ers are uniquely equipped to deal with all these problems and are just the right team to take a young Packers team that, you know, is ahead of schedule and, and put them back where they belong in the NFL's pecking order. I think the 49ers are going to be at their very best. And maybe the Packers showing up with a threat of scaring the Niners is exactly what the Niners need to sort of jumpstart this playoff run, Larry. I, I No doubt. No I, doubt. This they, they were they served notice yesterday. Yeah. I mean they they didn't I mean first of all, it was 27-7 at half. It was 48-16 in the fourth quarter. This game was not as close as that score indicates. And as far as Jordan Love, I mean, they took a 23-year-old quarterback. They, you know, he only started one game his rookie year. Uh, he didn't start any games in 2022. So he ba he basically had played in 10 games over two seasons and had one start and lost that start and had a combined three touchdowns and three interceptions coming into this year. He was a totally unproven entity. What did they do? They gave him the full year. He started all 17 games. They went 9-8 and eight in the regular season, 32 touchdowns, 11 picks. But, man, if you look at the at what Gutekunst has done in the last two drafts, you say, how did the Packers do this? Well, they traded up for Jordan Love in the 2020 draft. But the 2022 and the 2023 drafts, these last two drafts, have been bonanzas. Bonanzas. Eight, eight good players in each draft. 2022, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom, their starting tackle, Kingsley and Egbare, the linebacker, uh, Rashid Walker, another starting tackle. I mean, that's... That's eight. That's seven right there uh, from from the 2022 draft. Then he follows it up at this year and he gets Lucas Van Ness, Luke Musgrave, Jane Reed, Tucker Craft, Dontavian Wicks, Carl Brooks, their kicker, Anders Carlson, Carrington Valentine, who's playing the, the corner for them. That's eight. They've gotten 15 players, many of which are starters just in the last two drafts. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, you got to credit that young GM, man. He is. He's fantastic, and I, I think LaFleur is good. I don't think LaFleur is special or anything, but 
I think he's a solid NFL coach. They got their quarterback. They let him. They groomed him perfectly. And man, they have surrounded him with a ton of talent. And they're coming. They, you know, this may be a year ahead of schedule, and the Niners may slap him around. But they are the team that's building the bonds. The, you know, the the bonanza, the juggernaut that's coming in the NFC. Well, and if there's one that feels like it now wears that crown in the AFC, it's got to be the other team from the state of Texas that was the polar opposite of the Dallas Cowboys, where the Dallas Cowboys were slow starting and letting their entire fan base down. You had the Houston Texans just coming out and just throwing haymakers at the Cleveland Browns and making the Browns look like their defense was to be disrespected all year long. And it must've been the offense that drove them to the party. Um, I have never seen a ballyhooed defense kind of lay down and die quite like the Cleveland Browns did as the Texans put up a 40, 45 to 14 win CJ Stroud. Like you were saying, Larry don't like young quarterbacks against defenses that good. CJ Stroud don't care. Oh my gosh, what have what have we got in this Houston Texans team? Well, they, you know, you know what you get. Like I'll take the team on the come. Oh my God, Damon, they were amazing. All right, let, let's talk about them for a second. People talked endlessly in the late '80s about Jimmy Johnson's, you know, Herschel Walker trade and what it did for the Cowboys, and they it helped create the team of the '90s. They right. got Triplets. Emmett Smith out of that. They got. Russell Maryland out of that. They got Darren Woodson out of that. They got a bunch. They got like six or seven picks. Novacek. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I'm just talking about off the off the Herschel Walker trade solely. I'm not sure if he came out of that. Guess what the Texans got for Deshaun Watson so far? This is what they have. Will Anderson, Tank Dell, who's not playing right now. Terrific young receiver. Might be one of the best they have. John Mechie, 23-year-old wide receiver. Christian Harris, former Bama linebacker, best player on the field this weekend, had did everything. Damian Pierce, starting NFL running back. Kenyon Green, that's six. Xavier Hutchinson, who's who one of Brock Purdy's receivers at Iowa State, seven. Thomas Booker from Stanford, Brandon Hill from Pitt. And they have a 2024 first and a 2024 third. They right now have nine players, uh, six starters, and two and three backups, and they have a first and a third coming, all for Deshaun Watson, right? Who wasn't even the best quarterback in Cleveland this year, right? Who the Browns? If you told the Browns they could get out from underneath that uh, tomorrow, they would cut him tomorrow. They gave him a two hundred and thirty million dollar contract, hundred percent of it's guaranteed. The guy that needs to get a little credit, we hear about D'Amico a ton, and he deserves it. We hear about Bobby Slowick a ton, and he deserves it. We hear about C.J. Stroud a ton. Nick Cesario, the former Belichick uh, general manager, the former Patriot general manager, the best personnel guy associated with the Patriots during their heyday. has He's the guy who made that trade, and he's the guy that's making all these picks. And you look at, to me, the scary thing about the Texans is Nico Collins looks like Terrell Owens. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got a big time, you know, left tackle in Laramie Tunsil, so they don't have to worry about that. You've got a great young quarterback in CJ Stroud. They've got a couple really good running backs in Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce, but it's their defensive ends. Will Anderson, Jonathan Greenard, who's now 26, the former Florida Gator, just was awesome yesterday. Derek Barnett, why the Eagles wanted to get rid of Derek Barnett, I, will only, I have no idea because he looked amazing this weekend. So, I mean, you, I mean, it's that those three guys up front are just absolutely wreaking havoc right now. And then Christian Harris, Denzel outside, Denzel Perriman inside, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley, uh, Desmond King was monster. This team's made. Great pickups. Desmond King was a great pickup. He was a street free agent. They Pittsburgh cut him earlier this year, and he stepped in this week for for the Texans and was absolutely dominating. I don't know if you how much you saw of Desmond King. He had twelve tackles in the game. Seven of them were solo. So all over the place. The Houston defensive ends and Stroud. 
they could ride that into Baltimore. If you told me that the Texans went into Baltimore and, and beat the Ravens, I would not be shocked. D'Amico should be coach of the year. There's no doubt about it. How, yeah. how awkward is it going to be if, you know, um, Kevin Stefanski is now named coach of the year after D'Amico's team just took his team apart in the postseason. Um, how awkward is it for, uh, for Dak Prescott, uh, uh, pro bowl voters over, uh, Brock Purdy, you know, after, after that performance yesterday. So, um, well, how, you know, how about, how about the people who didn't vote for Amon Ra for, I mean, Amon Ra is one of the great receivers in the league and he showed it yesterday. On a name standpoint alone, if the name gets you bonus points, he should have been in there. Amon Ra and Equiminius St. Brown. These are incredible fabricated names that his dad came up with. The, I mean, you know about that. Like his dad was an Olympic athlete and his last name was Brown. He's like, well, Brown's not very sexy, so I'm going to put a saint in front of it, even though there's not a Saint Brown. We're don't, forget, become... don't forget about the brother who played for Stanford, Osiris. Osiris, exactly. Equiminius, Osiris, and Amon Ra St. Brown. What, Amon I mean, Ra's a true number one receiver right now. And oh, he yeah. was fantastic yesterday. Yeah, he was, dude. The Lions were really good all day yesterday. They were. I uh that was a fun game to watch. But just to go back to the Texans for one moment, sometimes, Larry. You know, when you know you're dealing with cancer, you got to get it out. You know, you got to, you just got to, you got to cut it out. Chemo's not, it's going to take too long. You got to cut it out. And there were two cancers that were plaguing the Houston Texans. It was what Deshaun Watson became because of the whole massage scandal. That was a got to get this guy out of here situation. And remember the name Jack Easterby? Remember like what a weird, ultra, conservative, super religious, prayer-heavy, MAGA kind of presence that that guy had around that team, and he was a real odd duck. Nobody liked Jack Easterby. Uh, but Ray Ratto, who I used to work with, like went on a crusade against Jack Easterby in a way that I was like, Ray, what is what, what is it with you, this guy? He's just like, I've heard things. He's just a weird dude. And, and that guy is gone now, too. And look at them. I mean, it's like the the... The Texans got their wings and can fly now. So um, when you when you know you just got a weird guy who's not helping, get him out. <laughs> and, well, and, 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 twice. and it's just like there's no replacing huge amounts of young talent because ultimately their equivalent of the Herschel Walker trade, the, the Deshaun Watson trade, gave them huge talent. Green Bay's Gutekunst's last two drafts have given them a whole bevy of young talent. When do you become dangerous when you get a lot of good young players all at one spot at the same time? You go look at that that Texans team. Nico Collins, 23-24. Brevin Jordan, who had a 76-yard touchdown, 23 years old. John Mechie, 23 years old. I mean, it's like Pierce is 23. Stroud is 22. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, Christian Harris is a relative baby. Um, Will Anderson, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley. These guys are all super young, super talented, all on the same team at the same time. Yeah, Houston's gonna Houston's real. And if I if I'm Baltimore, man, I'm praying like crazy the Steelers pull the upset of the Bills. Otherwise, I'm getting Houston next week. And um, it's gonna be a tough place to play because Baltimore's a tough place to play, but man, Houston. Baltimore and then Kansas City and Buffalo. If Buffalo gets the win over Pittsburgh, as we all expect today, um, I I think those are two really really good football games next weekend in the AFC. How will we remember the 2023 Miami Dolphins? Because at times they were one of the best watches in all of football. Uh, an incredibly entertaining offense. Uh, this is the year where, you know, it felt like Mike McDaniel really arrived as a head coach. And yet at the same time, the Dolphins have, you know, no wins over teams with 500 records that they can point at and say, this is the the apex of our season. A, a, a huge day of scoring, I guess, was the apex of their season. Um what a weird year it was for the Miami Dolphins. And it comes to a screeching halt 26 to seven in a freezing Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, everybody's going to have their own take. I mean, I've got a couple takes on the Dolphins. One, I don't think two is the guy. I don't think he reads coverage. I think if you take away his first read and make him go through his progressions, he can't do it. I don't see what he does particularly well. I've never been a Tua guy. 
I'm not a Tua guy now. I don't think he's the answer. So I think they still need their quarterback. One, that's number one. Two, they they are an awesome offensive team um, built on speed. They need that power back to complement what they have in Achan and Mostert in the backfield. Uh, they need, you know, the Niners have a whole group of weapons that instead of running around you or by you, run through you. The Dolphins have an ent- the opposite. They've got a group of weapons that nobody wants to run through you. Everybody wants to run by you or around you. They got to have one weapon that wants to run through you. And then on defense, whether we're talking about the Dolphins or any other team, the NFL is a real basic game. It's a rush and cover game. And they had no sacks because all of their rushers got hurt. Nick Chubb out. Van Ginkle out. Um, they were signed, you know, um, uh, the other guy who they had, uh, Jalen Phillips, the hurricane defensive end, the former Bruin and hurricane Chubb for the year in like week 12, Yeah, they were signing Justin Houston, um, and Bruce Irvin on Wednesday. And, 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 you know, they, they leaned heavily on Melvin Ingram, who was kind of given up for dead by multiple teams in the last couple of years. So. They had that, you know, they're a Russian cover team, and on paper, they've got some incredible DBs, Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, um, you know, the Javon Holland, but their rush fell apart injury wise. So they'll get their rushers healthy, they'll add a piece on defense, they need another quarterback, and they need a big run through you kind of weapon. But, um, the Dolphins are just not there yet, but they're coming. I mean, they're 11 and six. It was, you know, the Mike, you know, and also the decision to go in season hard knocks. I think everybody should take a good look at that and see why that's a terrible idea. Um, you just don't want all those cameras around yeah. and all that. You just don't want that. You don't need it. They were really entertaining shows. Don't get me wrong. But why would you do that in season? It's an Larry, obvious I, distraction. I'm so sorry. Give yourself the entire screen. I'll be back in just a moment. I've got a naked two-year-old in front of my window over here. I'll be right back. All right. There you go. Uh, it's more Luther King Day. The kids are home, so I'll be right back. All right. No problem. But, yeah, as far as the Dolphins are concerned, I like Mike McDaniel. Um, and, I, you know, to me, speed wins, right? So getting Mostert and Achan and Tyreek and Jalen Waddle and all the speed – uh, was a good move on their part, and I like what they're building there. They're super dynamic, but I mean, can you win in cold weather with that outfit? Um, I don't know. I think you need to have a little bit more grit to some of your skill position guys, and then I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm just not a Tua guy. I'm not a Tua guy, and you know, once again, you know, I was to me, if there was a theme of this weekend, it's youth is being served. I did a whole video on that. Um, and Kansas city is a good example. I mean, Kansas city's had a rough year offensively, but they found a way to circle the wagons. How did they do it in this game? Well, they leaned on two really, really young guys, Isaiah Pacheco. They gave him the ball 24 times. He ran for 89 yards and a touchdown. Pacheco's a 24 year old running back at a Rutgers. Who's got a lot of talent. And then, um, you know, they don't have, they found the one receiver they have, that's worth a damn opposite Kelsey. And that's Rashi Rice, um, who's a 23-year-old receiver out of SMU, who they found in the second round uh, in this last draft. He's a rookie, and he had a great day. So, you know, how did how did Kansas City get it done? Well, Pacheco had a nice day and a touchdown. Rashi Rice caught eight balls for 130 and a touchdown on 12 targets. You know, they threw the ball 20 at 34 times and or I should say they had 34 targets to their receivers. 22 of them went to Kelsey and Rice. They just stopped throwing it to the other guys. Marquez Valdez Scantling, they threw him two balls all day. Justin Watson, two balls all day. Richie James, two balls all day. McCole Hardman got three targets. They basically just said, you know what? We're going to Kelsey and we're going to Rashi Rice. And we're going to hand it to Pacheco and Edwards a little bit. And that's it. And that's what they did. And then still defensively, you know, also youth was served on the defensive side for Kansas City. Nick Bolton is a tremendous. I loved him at Missouri. He's a 23-year-old inside linebacker 
who was too, considered too short for the NFL. So he fell to the second round. This guy was as good a linebacker as there was in college. 5'11", 237, and he runs like the wind. He had 10 tackles, five solo, a tackle for a loss. And then Carl Loftus, the young uh, defensive end from Purdue. Oh, um, right. you know, I'm mean, talking about a 22 year old defensive end. He was their first round pick um, in 20 in the 2022 draft. Carl Loftus, one and a half sacks, three hits on the quarterback, a tackle for a loss. So, I mean, to me, if there was that theme all weekend and we'll go back to Damon now, now that oh, you're back. Um, you what, everything Larry. okay. Everything okay with the kid. Everything's great. iPads make better babysitters than security guards. Like the iPad can keep the kid's attention in one place, but the minute that kid wants to go somewhere else, that's free range chicken right there. So, um, <laughs> we, 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 everything's settled. Every, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Everybody's okay. Well, I was just saying that if the, the overall theme of this weekend so far to me is that things happen fast in the NFL and it's all about who's got the young players. And if you go back and look at this weekend, Texans, young team, amazing, amazing trade for uh, by, by Cesario, gave them all these young players, and they took advantage of it. And then Detroit, very young team, Aiden Hutchinson, Amon Ra, um, Sam Laporta, Panay Sewell. I mean, they're great young players led the way there. And then Green Bay. The last two drafts have been so special for Gutekunst that they have a ridiculous amount of young talent as well. So uh, youth is being served. And then Kansas City, you know, led the way really by four young players. Outside of Mahomes, it was it was Isaiah Pacheco and Rasheed Rice on offense and Nick Bolton and Carl Loftus on defense. All those guys are 23 or younger. So, I mean, you look at the Niners by comparison. The Niners are like a relatively old, old group of football players. But it just kind of shows that it's a young man's game and how you, you know, if you, and it's all about the talent. If you can accumulate enough talent, you can win. And these teams right now, I mean, Houston, Green Bay, <laughs> Detroit, these are some of the, you know, the youngest, most talented teams in the league. And they're coming, man. They are absolutely coming. So the Niners want this ring, and I know they badly do. Um, they got the home field. They got the rest. Uh, they got to sh- They got to have a hell of a week of practice, shake off the rust, be ready at the anthem, and they're going to be challenged by two really, really talented young football teams um, in Green Bay and Detroit, most likely. If they want to go to Vegas, they're going to have to beat them both. 